On this show, we will discuss elements of the story, which may also include some spoilers. So this is your official spoiler alert. It's okay if you haven't read the book, but if you're looking to avoid having it spoiled, go back, read the book, and then come on back and listen to our conversation. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Not Your Average Book Report, a show where I put down my script that I always read at the beginning, and now <laughs> I've messed up the file. Welcome to Not Your Average Book Report, a podcast about children's books where we believe in never losing the childlike joy of reading. My name is Sam. I'm an avid reader, especially if it's books about pirates, and I am joined by my co-host, my sister-in-law, Sarah, a former high school English teacher with two kids who reads 85 books a year. What's up? Sarah, how are you doing? I'm great. Great. You know, just here. You're here. Spring has sprung Spring has here sprung. in Tennessee where we are. Friday. Do you know what happens on Friday? What happens on Friday? All East Tennesseers should know. Dollywood oh, opens. Big, but it's supposed to snow this on weekend. On Saturday. Oh, on Saturday. But not on Friday. And you know who's going to be at Dollywood this weekend? Dolly. Dolly. Really? On Friday. Oh Pass my Holders Day. Gosh, the patron I'll be there. saint of East Tennessee. That's right. That's right. So you're going Friday. Going on Friday. What is your favorite part of Dollywood? My favorite part of Dollywood. That's a great question. Um, well, people watching, mm. if that's not an attraction on its own. Uh, but then my also my favorite ride is Thunderhead. Yes. Which is not a lot of yes. people's favorite rides. They, it's my favorite. I love it. People don't love a rickety old wooden roller coaster oh, that's anymore. The best part. But bring it on. So people watching. Thunderhead, and ice cream. Dollywood was the site of probably the maddest my wife has ever gotten at me because I made her do the barnstormer and guilted her into it. Oh, it's my favorite. It's oh, so I was much there. Fun. Yeah, yeah. You helped me guilt her into it. She was screaming at me. It was me so fun. On the ride, which it was, was so fun. One of the funniest things I've experienced. Is that, that ride? In it is. I don't even, don't even want to call it scary, but it's just so fun in a way that yes. other rides are not. Oh, for sure. Like, there's nothing else like it. Nothing. And my wife experienced this and was screaming, I hate you! Yeah, well, I hate you, Sam and Scott! And y'all were newlyweds at that point, so... Yeah, we were. Love yeah, is in oh, the air. Yeah, for, for my birthday, so... <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> you would think that would be a hole in our marriage, but it's not. It's not a hole. Speaking of holes, wow, this week... Wow, that segue. We did Holes by <laughs> Lewis... Sacker, which I googled how to pronounce his name, and he research. said in this quote, "Most people don't know how to pronounce my name." Yeah. So I think we all get a little grace there, but it I is Lewis Sacker. This book was published in 1998, and it won the Newbery Award in 1999, the following year, as Newbery. well as the National Book Award for Young People's Literature. Nice. Had you read this book before? I had not. I had actually only ever seen the movie, which. Mm, yeah, well, I surprised myself as I was reading it because I was like, why didn't I read this book? Mm, yeah. It seemed very familiar to me. So I do have to compliment the um, the movie because mm -hmm. it didn't stray too far from the book. No, and it didn't. The movie was very good. The Yeah, it was a really good retelling. Well, adaption. Yeah. Is that a, the word? Adaption. So Adaptation. Adaptation. No, so I hadn't read it, but I loved it. Okay. Had you read it? Yes. Okay. For my generation, I feel like this was the book. Yeah. Um, I think How I read it. How much older am I than you? Fifth or sixth. I'm 30 now. So. Oh, well, I'll be 33. Around the same time. Yeah, I just yeah, remember yeah. around the time I was in fifth or sixth grade, mm -hmm. this was the book yeah. everyone read. Yeah. I feel pretty comfortable saying this is the goat. Yeah. Of oh. Children's literature books for my wow. age group. Wow. Yeah. 
Interesting. Yeah. Drop us a comment on our new Instagram if yeah, you agree right? with that mm, statement. Yes, you can follow us on Instagram <laughs> at NYA Book Report. There is no spaces, no underscores, just NYA Book Report. And on the Holes post, yeah, give us some feedback. Is yeah. Holes the, the goat? goat? <laughs> is Holes the Tom Brady? Mm. <gasps> we want this is not a football podcast. Let's no. just go back to holes. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Did you know, Sarah? Louis Sacker was a college student. He wanted to study Russian literature and Russian, but he got tired of Russian, over Russian. Can you imagine? Oh, gosh. I, <laughs> I'm tired of Russian have, already. And someday not... I will finish Brothers Karamazov, but that's about all I got. Did you ever read Anna Karenina? No. Ugh. Nope. Don't do it. Nope. Actually, I think I've introduced sorry, myself on this podcast as not having the patience for Tolstoy, and it still I holds think true. that's true. Tolstoy, mm. it's rough. But he felt the same thing I felt of not having the patience for it. Maybe I'm kind of adding in some embellishment there. Who has there. the patience for Russia anyway? <laughs> so he decided to get some easy college credits by being a teacher's aide in an elementary school, and he said the experience changed his life. Interesting. And he decided he wanted to write books for children. Hmm. And his first book was Sideways Stories from Wayside School, which a lot of the children in the books were based on kids from his school. And also the na one of the characters was named after him. Oh. Yeah. Have you read that book? I think I have. I couldn't tell you anything about it, but yeah. it sounds familiar. Yeah. Well, get this. So while he was writing that book, he worked in a sweater factory Ooh. and he got fired from the sweater factory and then just decided, you know what? I'll become a lawyer and go to law school. Oh. Pretty casually. Just casual. But law school, law, like lawyering, <laughs> being a lawyer being was a his part-time job. And at night he wrote. Who is a part-time lawyer? I know. I know. But eventually he got to the point where he was writing full-time. Good for him. And later published our book for this week, Holes. I want to do the Holes sound. What's the, from the movie? The song? Mm -hmm. The digging up, bump, yeah. bum, digging, or the if only, if no, only. No, the digging up the bones, but. Digging up the bones. Yeah. yeah. That part was awesome. Yeah, it was. Everyone, when we went and saw the movie on a field trip, was yeah, singing that. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, just for you, why do you think this book I mean, it won the Newberry. It definitely struck a chord with people. Why do you think it's so well regarded? Uh, that's a great question. I, well, as someone who just read it mm -hmm. for the first time. Yeah. There was just, there's probably like two or three layers of good things going on mm -hmm. in here. For sure. A, just very good writing in mm -hmm. general. Easy to read. Good characters. There weren't really plot holes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like. Uh, plot holes and holes. Plot holes and holes. <laughs> yeah. Also, him adding the historical mm -hmm. part of it, the yeah. the history of the families and stuff, weaving that through. It kept you engaged. It kept you wondering. But then there's also that um, intriguing. There's this idea of what is it like to be a kid without parents? Mm -hmm. And I mean, I always was really fascinated by boarding schools. Yeah. I just that was so not something that was in my world at all. But mm -hmm. every book I read about a kid who was sent to boarding school, I was like, maybe I can be sent to boarding school. Yeah. And not that I want to be sent somewhere to dig holes as a consequence for bad behavior. Right. But there's also something of these kids without adults or at least yeah. without parents is also intriguing. I think mm, back to the runaway thing. <laughs> uh, you talked about good writing. The thing, that I appreciated was his use of detail. Mm -hmm. One that I specifically remember was 
the chapter where Stanley digs his first hole, mm-hmm. which the writing is good and how he structured it because he's also flashing back and forth between the story of his dirty, rotten, no good, pig stealing great great grandfather mm-hmm. and him digging his first hole. But I love the details here, which makes it feel so vivid. Cause he, and I'll read here. He says, Stanley's blisters had ripped open and new blisters formed. He kept changing his grip on the shovel to try to avoid the pain. Finally, he removed his cap and held it between the shaft of the shovel and his raw hands. This helped, but digging was harder because the cap would slip and slide. The sun beat down on his unprotected head and neck. And I know exactly what, like that Mm -hmm. feeling of, you know, you're trying to do something hard, manual labor, even like trying to use your hat to grip. I could just, the sensory and all that was just such good writing. And the book is full of instances of that. That just makes it so vivid. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I think it's funny that you brought up that point. Uh, last year, two years ago, my dad and I, number one listener from Cookville. Tim um, what's mm. up? We redid our my front yard, like grew grass and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we had to till the yard and then rake up all the dead grass and stuff. And I am not a yard worker, not mm. good at it. And so as I'm raking, I have gloves on, but I can still feel the blister. And so as I was reading that, I was like, oh, I know what that is like. I know yeah. what that's like. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Just that first yeah. dig. It's like, also relatable. He pulls details mm-hmm. that like I, I've never dug holes in the Texas right. desert, but like I can kind of feel, I felt the sun beating right. on my neck because I did read some comments, like him talking about how he got the idea and, they were like, how did you get the idea for holes? And he said, I wanted to write a book about the Texas heat. Huh. Because he moved to Austin, Texas and in the summer that's in Texas, so interesting. it gets really hot. Yeah. And so he was like, that's how it started was a book about the heat. And he had an idea for a place called Camp Green Lake where there wasn't a lake. Huh. And the story I grew from that. there. Yeah. That's really cool. So, yeah, this book is about Stanley Yelnats, which his first name is his, that's a palindrome. Mm-hmm. His first name is his last name spelled backward, who was wrongly sent to a correctional camp, Camp Green Lake, which is in the desert, the lake dried up years before, where they are forced to dig holes all day in the heat of the Texas desert by the warden and her staff. While there, Stanley discovers they're not just digging to build character, they are looking for something. Mm-hmm. He also befriends Hector Zero Zeroni. So, what was your take on Zero? Zero made me sad yeah and it's the teacher in me that there are so many kids who kind of just float by and Mm -hmm. like with him not learning to read yeah I feel like that's a very common story even though it shouldn't be yeah and and not to like get on a no, soapbox or anything. I think this book is about that. I think it is too. Ways, like he was a forgotten kid who was just kind of pushed through and ward suddenly of the state. Yeah. ward of the state and suddenly it's been exposed that he doesn't know how to read and um, felt a lot of compassion for him. Especially the way Mr. Pendansky treats yeah. him. He says, you've got nothing going on in your head. He's right. just, Mr. Pendansky is like right. this typical camp counselor, but he's also just a jerk. Right. Yeah. But I did love zero teaches us, the readers, and I can imagine children, the importance of kindness. Yeah. One of the things I've said probably 400 times in the last year is you never know what's going on behind closed doors, like Mm. when people go home or whatever. And I think about Zero and that when he talks about sleeping, um, 
Sleeping on the playground. Sleeping on the playground. Yeah. For a second, I was like, was that from this book or was it from a different book I just yeah. read? Yeah. <laughs> Sleeping on the playground. And I just hope that if my kids read this book one day, mm-hmm. they'll read it and wonder, huh, I wonder if this kid who's in my class has something else going on. Yeah. How can I be kind to them? Because yeah. I think that's something he shows us is you just don't know. What's up, everybody? Sam here with a few announcements. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. Thanks again for listening. We really appreciate all of our listeners. Actually, so I have this new recording device with a sound pad, and I think there's a... uh, Yes, there it is. That's for you, listeners. Big round of applause. We love you so much. Speaking of appreciating listeners, big shout-out to our listeners in Munich, Germany. Yep, across the pond, all the way over in Germany. Never been to Munich myself, but it seems like a lovely city, and we've got a few listeners there, and we love that. So we'll have to make it out there at some point, but big guten tag to our friends out in Munich, Germany. Also, big hello to our new friend, Katarina. We hope you're enjoying some great books right now, and if you have any recommendations, be sure to send them our way. Also, we have an Instagram. Not sure if that really fit, but I went for it. You can follow us now on Instagram at nyabookreport, no spaces. There we'll have some content, different things, announcements about books we're reading, and different kind of posts. And most importantly, you can leave us a comment, interact with us. We would love to hear from you. So give us a follow, and as always, leave us a review if you're liking these episodes. And be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fix. Now, back to the show. Nope, that didn't really fit. Let's try Nope, that didn't fit either. Anyways, back to the show. I did see a lot of the praise for this book was talking about how it gave voice to kids like Zero who mm-hmm. slipped through, but also for persons of color. Yeah. And really, he's a good writer in that he's good at writing about how kids feel. Mm-hmm. Like through how Stanley experiences all these things, it feels yeah. like this is how a 12-year-old would handle this. Right. But he does the same for Zero. Mm-hmm. I think in 1999 was not as common right. nowadays i think there's way more stories about right. that like i think about ghosts by jason yeah. reynolds which is one i loved but i think then this was new yeah yeah i mean i think about kids from low-income homes and things like this who do end up getting put in the system yeah Inca- whatever incarcerated children exactly honestly, incarcerated yeah. children put in the system foster care i mean there are group homes things like this where it's like yes this did seem like far-fetched Mm-hmm. But it's also not far-fetched. Right. I read it last year just because mm-hmm. I got on this new kick of really enjoying children's books. And so I went back to Holes. And this is, so the second time reading it in two years, I really got the sense this is like a modern day fairy tale. Because mm-hmm. it has all these surrealist fairy tale elements. Like the story about his great-great-grandfather feels absolutely right. like a fairy tale. Yeah. But it's also so attached to reality right. of all these characters feel so real. Yeah. And I think that's that's one of the reasons I think it lands so well with people is it has these fantastical elements mm-hmm. that really kind of take you to an emotional place, especially with the stories about Camp Green Lake, about mm-hmm. his fam- uh, Stanley's family, but also it's so grounded in the real world. Yeah. Like when you get Zero's story and you start to get to know all the kids at the camp and even hearing about Stanley's struggles getting bullied at school, like I think there is that that is so rich mm-hmm. from this book. Yeah. And I think that's where I see some of the genius in it and that it's able to speak to these themes, but also feel so grounded right. in reality. Right. Well, and one of the things 
kind of connected to fairy tale, kind of connected to the grounding reality. At the end of this, as you were talking, I was thinking, well, who's the hero in this book? Or who's that? Yeah, kind of the heroic figure. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of the ending, Stanley and Zero, Stanley's kind of the hero. Mm -hmm. He, you know, he and um, Zero figure out what was buried or Mm -hmm. where it was buried. They unbury it. They have it. Um, they do all those things. So together they're kind of heroic, but then it's also granted grounded in reality where they're still kids and they still needed the lawyer at the end, um, that they couldn't totally save themselves from that place. And so I like what you said that it does have this fairy tale, you know, fantasy kind of thing where they're going through this desert, they're climbing up a mountain together. They're living off of onions, things that, Don't really happen, but then it's the reality of, oh, but they're still kids. Right. So interesting you said that because I want to jump ahead. My favorite chapter in this book is it's chapter 42, and it's Stanley and Zero after digging these holes, kind of figuring out there's more going on here. Through some circumstances, both Zero and Stanley run away from the camp. Mm-hmm. Um, Stanley was going to look for Zero, and Zero was just done. He mm-hmm. literally hit Mr. Pendanski in the face yes, with a shovel. Yes, Because he deserved it. And, yeah, he did. Uh, Stanley finds Zero basically dying in the mm-hmm. desert and remembers this story about his great-grandfather surviving up on God's Thumb, and he sees this mountain range off in the distance yes. called God's Thumb. And they make their way there, crossing this brutal desert. Stanley carries Zero up the mountain, and then the scene jumps in with them lying mm-hmm on top of this mountain where they find water and onions that basically saves their lives. Mm-hmm. And I love the way in this chapter, I'm just going to jump in here. It says two nights later, Stanley lay awake, staring up at the star filled sky. He was too happy to fall asleep. He knew he had no reason to be happy. He had heard or read somewhere that right before a person freezes to death, <laughs> he suddenly feels nice and warm. He wondered if perhaps he was experiencing something like that. It occurred to him that he couldn't remember the last time he felt happiness. It wasn't that being sent to Camp Green like that had made his life miserable. Being that he'd been unhappy at school where he had no friends and bullies like Derek Dunn picked on him, no one liked him. And the truth was, he didn't like himself. He liked himself now. He wondered if he was delirious. (laughs) And then later on, it says, as Stanley stared at the glittering night sky, he thought there was no place he would rather be. He was glad Zero put the shoes on the parked car. He was glad they fell from the overpass and hit him in the head. Both times I've read it, it was the most resonant part for me because... This idea that Stanley is able to take his suffering and all the bad things that have happened to him and say, I'm glad they happened. Mm -hmm. And I realize it's not just making sense of our suffering or making meaning from it. That's important. It's making good from it Mm -hmm. and seeing good come from our suffering. Um, Because fate and destiny are kind of... Yeah. It is the main theme of this story is Stanley ends up at this camp because Mm -hmm. of Zero. They're past it intertwined. And even the fact that Stanley's pig-stealing great-great-grandfather yes. swindled Zero's great-great-great-grandmother. And then he carried, it's this whole, all the webs of fate just come together. Yes. And then for this moment, Stanley to say all the bad things that happened to me, mm-hmm. finding this happiness here makes it worth it. And I realize, I think that's the definition of redemption. Yeah. Not that our suffering just makes sense, mm-hmm. but that something good comes from yeah. it. And I think that's my favorite part about this book. I think that's why this book lands so strongly because yeah. Stanley's happy because of his friendship here. Yeah, They're in one of the, a horrible circumstance. They're lost in the desert. 
they're they're dying mm-hmm. and because of this friend he's he, he's found something to give his life to right it's, it's a right. friendship and that is the beating heart of this book yeah and i think that's why I, I could read it again yeah well and that's something thinking of books that i want my kids to read mm-hmm. i like this one too because stanley has had a tough go of it thus far i mean he does have parents that care for him and are looking for him yeah but he still went to this camp that for what we find out shouldn't have actually right. had to go to really innocent. Yeah. and yet he says you know there is goodness from this yeah. and to teach kids like because it's very easy as adults and for children to go in and be like everything's horrible there's yeah. nothing good in the world and just like sink deeper and stanley could have done that yeah. and he could have rolled over and died in the desert but yeah. he didn't and that's something that i think that's something about stanley that it's the reason we like him because the song that he sings that becomes a key part of the story mm-hmm. begins if only if only yeah which there is this there's kind of two ways to say if only there's like if only like kick and dirt like man nothing ever goes my way this stinks mm-hmm. there's despair but in the chapter where we're introduced to that if only song here's what the writer says about the elnats as a family all of them had something else in common Despite their awful luck, they always remained hopeful. Mm-mm. As Stanley's father liked to say, I learned from failure. But perhaps that was part of the curse as well. If Stanley and his father weren't always hopeful, then it wouldn't hurt so much every time their hopes were crushed. And so because they're always hopeful in their affliction, eventually mm-hmm. the curse gets reversed right. on the top of this mountain. And Stanley gets this beautiful moment where he's just happy. Yeah. He's seen hope fulfilled. Right. And it's like, there's a better happiness from mm-hmm. having gone through absolutely than there would be if it never happened. Absolutely. Um, and I, I think my favorite part out of this is what does Stanley get? Yeah. There's like money and they, they get a little bit of a fortune mm-hmm. and their name's clear, but mostly he gets friendship. Yeah. A best friend, like a yeah. real friend. Um, cause at the beginning we meet him, he doesn't have any friends. Right. He's, gets bullied at school yeah. everybody calls him fat and at the end honestly like for me it's one of my favorite friendships in books like i compared it to frodo and sam in mm. lord of the rings i okay. think it's that good of a friendship i mean i did love this friendship and i i laughed a little bit because when stanley is teaching zero um how to read mm-hmm. i did laugh because Although we see so many, so much goodness from Stanley and so many great things, yeah. he's still a kid yeah. and he's like, I'm going to teach you to read, but you have to dig part of my hole. <laughs> yeah. and well, you Zero s- said that. that well, was Zero, like- <laughs> yeah, but he agrees. And then we see him question it a couple of times. He's like, oh, I do feel a little bad, yeah. but not that bad, you know? And right, so we still see that kid in him. He keeps saying like, I need the energy to I teach. I need the energy to teach. I do need to be a good teacher. Yeah. And that just, that made me laugh a little bit because yeah. he has... He's doing something so kind, and how old is he? I'm trying to remember. I don't know if it is says. He like, I think he's like 12. 12, that's what I was thinking. Like, yeah. for a 12-year-old to say, okay, sure, I'm going to teach you how to read. Right. That's pretty big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, because I love that you keep talking about this, uh, he's still a kid. Yeah. Because, like, after you have this really, like, mature-sounding moment where Stanley is reckoning with his past and all that's happened to him... At the end of the chapter, he talks about, he's thinking about how do I get back? And he's like, well, we could sneak back through the camp, steal some water, and then walk back to civilization. And then, and then I'll jump in here. He says, 
It would mean living the rest of his life as a fugitive. The police would always be after him. At least he could call his parents and tell them he was still alive, but he couldn't go visit them in case the police were watching the apartment. <laughs> Although, if everyone thought he was dead, they wouldn't bother to watch the apartment. He would have to get a new identity. That's just such a kid way it's of thinking about Because he stole one pair of shoes. He's yes, not like on America's yes. most wanted oh, list. Oh, but I would be a fugitive. <laughs> yeah. So funny. Yeah. So funny. I think we've, as a kid, we've all, I don't know if you've ever had that moment where like you did something bad and you're like, oh, yeah. I'm going to have to go on the run here. I mean, the cops are after me. We just have this idea. I mean, it is just such a kid's view of crime and yeah. those kind of things where. You're like, oh, no. What resonated with you the most in this book? What was something that you're like, I really want my kids to read this because of this? I think I really want my kids to read this because of zero. Mm. I think more than anything, I want my kids to see that not all kids have the same life they have. Not all kids have two parents at home. Not all kids have two parents who love them at home and care for them. Not all kids have their own bedroom. And, and I think that's a valuable thing for kids to learn, um, which they, I will assume that they will learn that in life and school, but they also may not. Um, they may never, who knows, but I think books like this, one of the great things is that they expose kids to things and they can have conversations about it and start to figure it out because I could imagine as a, I mean, I feel like this is an appropriate book for older, like probably anywhere from nine and up, but, um, like fourth, fifth grade. Yeah, I think so. But, um, I think this is a great place to talk about who are Zero's parents? Like, why is he there? What happened to him? Why did he, why was he in a homeless shelter? Those kind of things. And even, like we talked about how his good writing kind of gets you into it. You love Zero. Like mm-hmm. from reading this book, you're going to love Zero. And I love that kids who read this book get an experience of just loving somebody yeah. that's had a way different story way than different. them. Yeah. And that is something that mm-hmm. I just don't think you could convince me doesn't flow over into real right. life. Yeah. Because it's not a far jump to say like, oh, well, like Zero has a way different story mm-hmm. than me. So does all these people in my class. Like you don't know anybody's story. So knowing what I felt for zero from this book and just seeing how well Stanley loved him and how well zero loved Stanley, it, I just think that's not going to be a far leap for kids to say like, Oh, I can do, I did this for this character in this book. Like the same thing will happen in me for other people. As we're talking about zero, I'm like, I can't forget about all the other boys at the camp because mm-hmm. at in one of the last chapters when Stanley and Zero come back and are with the um the attorney general and they've realized like everything that's happened, all of the boys from group D come and um Squid comes up to um, Stanley and says, will you do me a favor? Ask Squid. Oh, yeah. I guess so. Stanley agreed somewhat hesitantly. I want you to, he turned to Miss Marengo. Hey lady, uh, you have a pen, pen and paper I can borrow. She gave it to him and Squid wrote down a phone number, which he gave to Stanley. Call my mom for me. Okay. Tell her, tell her I said I was sorry. Tell her Alan said he was sorry. And it was just that part I don't want to forget about those kids that even though they weren't maybe the nicest or they didn't have the biggest story to tell in this, like 
they still were kids. Right. And they still missed their moms. And they, he wanted to apologize to his mom. Right. Um, This is right after the scene where Stanley is pretty convinced he's going to die because he has yellow spotted lizards all over him. And this is what he's thinking about. His brain took him to a time when he was very little, all bundled up in a snowsuit. He and his mom were walking hand in hand, mitten in mitten, when they both slipped on some ice and fell and rolled down a snow-covered hillside. They ended up at the bottom of the hill. He remembered he almost cried, but instead he laughed. His mother laughed too. He could feel the same light-headed feeling that he felt when dizzy from rolling down the hill. He felt the sharp coldness of the snow against his ear. He could feel the flecks of snow on his mother's bright and weary face. That was where he wanted to be when he died. I just remember, I don't know if motherhood's really a theme all throughout this Mm. book, but maybe kind of is there's, because we end with Zero and his mother. Mm -hmm. I wonder if there's this subtle idea underneath is that if you remember anything about anyone, remember everybody has a mom. Yeah. When I was a teacher, our principal one time at the beginning of the school year, we were having an all staff meeting and she said, remember these kids are the best thing that these parents have done or something like that. And that's Mm. always resonated to me that all of these kids that all of these kids in the book, all these kids at the school, they all have parents. Yeah. They all have parents and everybody is somebody's child. And as we get to like zero, the secret we find out about him isn't just that he stole the shoes, but also his story that he tells is about his mom. Mm Mm-hmm. He never even mentions his dad. Right. Stanley doesn't ask about his dad. Zero talks about his mom yeah. and how they had a house at one point and they ended up on the streets. She took him and then one day she just disappeared. Yeah. And at the end, when Zero's able to get his fortune, he hires a private investigator. Yep. Is able to track her down. The ending paragraph, I think, probably might, it might be my chapter 42 mm-hmm. where they're on top of God's thumb was beautiful. Yeah. But this was also... This is how the book ends. It says, A woman sitting in the chair behind Hector was absentmindedly fluffing his hair with her fingers. She wasn't very old, but her skin had a weathered look to it, almost like leather. Her eyes seemed weary, as if she'd seen too many things in her life that she didn't want to see. And when she smiled, her mouth seemed too big for her face. Very softly, she sang, half-hummed a song that her grandmother used to sing to her when she was a little girl. And this is a refrain of the Mm -hmm. song that Stanley's family had taught him through the years. Mm -hmm. But it's funny that the Yelnats has had kind of mix up the words yeah. to make it this silly nursery rhyme yeah. about a wolf howling at the moon. And Zero's mom remembered it as, if only, if only the moon speaks no reply, reflecting the sun and all that's gone by. Be strong, my weary wolf. Turn around boldly. Fly high, my baby bird, my angel, my only. Mm. And there's just this, I don't know, just the fact that she's back. Yeah. Just makes me happy that he found her. Me too. And me too. he writes that scene. He doesn't overspell like, oh, she looks so sad. Right. She missed it. She just. Yeah. Something about the way he he did it again with the details. So it's a great Great book. book. Um, (laughs) I will finish with a quote from Louis Sacker. All right. The best morals kids get from any book is just the capacity to empathize with other people, to care about the characters and their feelings. So you don't have to write a preachy book to do that. You just have to make it a fun book with characters they care about, and they will become better people as a result. He said what I said. He said what we said the entire Man, podcast. He stole that from us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Louis Sacker, uh, we've if got you're you for copyright. There, we know you are uh, <laughs> plagiarism. <laughs> well, uh, I loved this book. I loved absolutely, it. Absolutely, two thumbs up. So, Sam, at the end of every episode, we have to tell our audience what's next. So, Sam, 
What's next? There's the enthusiasm I'm looking for. <laughs> Our next book is Red Wall by Brian Jacks. Bum, bum, bum. What was that noise? I don't know. That I was... just felt like we needed a sound bum, effect. Bum. That was like a Price oh. is Right. <laughs> bum, bum, Dun, da, da. There you go. Red Wall. <laughs> I'm super excited about this one. And I'm thinking... We have a Redwall expert that both of us know. Wow. We may have to invite him onto the show. Have our second guest. Have our second guest. Anyways, that's all for us this week. We'll see you next time on Not Your Average Book Report. See you, see you. Sarah, thanks.